Hi, everybody. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we are your business coaches at Wired to Change. With the number two. We are here to help you get your business to the level you want it to be so you can enjoy the life of a small business owner. Mr. Mike Manning with the chair dance again. I love it. We were just talking about the value of good music and it applies everywhere, anytime. It's the ultimate international language. It is. Um, when I lived in Spain, there were many a times that um, we were out at clubs dancing and the music was super loud and my Spanish wasn't that good, but... You get in rhythm with someone, and that's all you need. Yeah. Well, like, uh, was it Shakira said, though? Somebody said the hips don't lie. Hips don't lie. Absolutely. Doesn't matter what language it's in. Still good. (laughs) Well, speaking of hips, we've got a really (laughs) hip guest today. The one, the only, the very, 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 very special Mr. Mike Engler. Welcome to the show, sir. Well, thank you very much. I hope I can live up to that introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we just got done recording um, our holiday special and um, my face hurts from us laughing so much from our last episode. So if anybody missed that, go back and listen to um, episode 123 because that um, Mike and I cracked up quite a few times Fantastic. some really bad puns and really <laughs> lots, bad christmas references lots yes. of bad christmas puns <laughs> yes which is the only way to do a podcast so. it is so mike um mike and mike who hope that doesn't confuse me today right how did you meet mr manning Boy, oh boy. I think um, we managed to, I think it was just through a basic LinkedIn outreach. I I found out that Mike was right around the corner from me doing something similar to what I did. And I think I just reached out to him and said, man, I'm really super curious about what it is that you guys are doing. And uh, we we had a phone conversation and and it led one thing led to another. uh, I think we did an online conversation and we were like, man, this just, this just works. We, you know, we just hit it off and, um, yeah, I, I and I got had a chance to kind of see what you guys do. I was like, I, I want to learn more, and we just kind of continued continued with the uh, the friendship, and and here we are. Fabulous. And we had a we had a face to face one to one at Brugger's because it's kind of right in the middle, right between where we live. Only because the Bojangles had just opened up, didn't have outdoor seating, so we went across the street to Brugger's. So. Yeah, we were being responsible. That's right. Yep. Responsible in these times, crazy times. Well, yeah, could, I'm glad someone yeah. was able to get Mike to be responsible. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got outside on a beautiful day. We took advantage oh, yeah. of some nice, uh, I think it was probably late October weather. And uh, yep. it's quite nice. Yeah. But we had our masks on when we went inside to order. <laughs> so, yes. Yep. Good. You weren't one of those people that wore the mask dangling under your nose? Uh, no. no, I've learned. You're, it's, you're either way. It's, I love these. And again, I go back to a sports one. So I'm watching Tennessee last weekend. We're getting our ass kicked this year. And my coach is wearing it on his chin. And my, I look at Becky and like, why do they even have it on? Yeah. That's their way of, I had it on. I just had to say something. And it's funny to watch people pull it down to say something, pull it back up. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no. That's when it's worse. Oh, <laughs> you know, every, every NFL game that we watch because um, Scott is leading in his fantasy league. He's in oh, first yes. place, um, rolling into the playoffs, um, and he's got a bye week, so he's super yep. excited. But I've been watching so much football, and it just baffles me how these coaches pull all their players in. They have the mask on as they're standing on the sidelines, and as soon as they're in a huddle, 
the mask comes down. And I'm like, that defeats the purpose of wearing your mask. Yep. You're just sitting there hoping and praying that they've all got the right tests yep. done. Everything's <laughs> done in advance, right? And this is just the belt and suspenders thing. So hoping the belt still works. So Mike, I'm super excited that you're here today because um, it, I was reading through uh, the notes that m- the other Mike, old Mike old sent Mike. me. Yeah. And I love everything that I've read so far. So you now, hang are- in a sec, hang, hang in a sec, Mike, just so I can- put trinity into context (laughs) she loves and she loves her husband right behind that are systems and processes and it's close nice it is Mm -hmm. really close we're gonna be good friends (laughs) yeah well this will tell you how close that is after the second date with her now husband scott she made him take the strengths finders test. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the qualification right there. I I give you my partner, Trinity Gregor French. <laughs> you know, but I knew that he was a keeper because he did it and he did it in good spirits and it allowed me to learn a lot about his personality. And go. whether or not we'd be a good match. That's good stuff. Right and there. what you learned was he's going to keep doing these same answers no matter what. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he is nothing if not consistent. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, you are a, an outsourced CSO, fractional VP of sales. Is sales acceleration your company? Um, so sales acceleration is, um, they are a business that I basically, I work with. Okay. Um, I actually have my company's called sales mechanic. Um, it's a bit of a, you know, go back to my past. I've, I've got roots in, 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 generations of auto mechanics. So my business is, uh, is a, as a sales mechanic, if you will, that's the name of, of my business. Sales acceleration is like, if you use the analogy, uh, of me being the mechanic, sales acceleration is my big red toolbox. So Fabulous. as, as uh, businesses come in and they, they need some help and I'm working with them, sales acceleration is, is the, the, the franchise, if you will, or, or the organization that I work with to help me do that. Excellent. Excellent. Um, and you love helping people with planning, process, tools, and accountability. Man, those are just four of my favorite words. Can you see the drool coming out on the other <laughs> side of yeah. our mouth? Yeah. It's, it's, it's all sexy, isn't it? It's it is. And, yes. and there's nothing better than taking somebody who wants to put a plan or a system in process that actually executes on it, and there's just that moment where you just feel so proud and you just want to share them with the world because they achieve something that most people can't. And it's like, ah, oh, yeah. Oh. When it's clicking. It yes. is, it is, man. It is. Oh. This, this is like business porn. Her husband, Scott, and she's told people this listening for many episodes. He, he's a cook. He loves to cook and he cooks well. And she's a very thankful and happy wife. But she said, I'll come home sometime. And he's just watching food porn on TV. He, is. <laughs> you know, he, works. he voraciously eats up food porn. Like I'm always on, you know, looking for good podcasts and sales books and anything that I can get my hands on to, to learn or sharpen my saw. You'll find me doing it. Yep. Yep. So... 
tell us about this sales team of one. Yeah. So um, what, I, what I would say is, is I spend the majority of my time working with literal sales teams, like sales teams of multiples. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and as I started kind of working through the, the Raleigh community and small business community, there's this whole element of the solopreneur. Right. And I, I was sitting in, you know, a number of whether it's BNIs or whatever, and I realized, you know, there's a whole host of solopreneurs out there that really could benefit from a lot of the things that I put into practice for a sales team. So um, I took what I would normally would present as something to a larger organization to, you know, how to manage your sales team. What are the top 10 reasons that a sales team may not be performing in the way that they should be performing? And I said, you know, that same type of thing can be a- applied to a sales team of one, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really about instead of having a disciplined team, it's really being a disciplined person, managing a business in a disciplined way. So almost like saying, you know, most most CEOs of small businesses in many ways run a sales team, right? They're, they're, they are the sales leader in, in, in many businesses. And so they have to pivot their chair, right, and manage a sales team at some point in time throughout their day, throughout their week, month, et cetera. And so when you're that salesperson of one, when you're that solopreneur, you're, you're everything, right? So how often do you take the time to physically, or I shouldn't say physically, uh, virtually pivot your chair and think about your sales organization, which is that fraction of you that's the salesperson? And so, you know, kind of with that, it's, okay, what are the things that you can do to be in that, in that capacity, right? Hold yourself accountable as that salesperson of one. I think that's awesome. We talk about how a lot of people come to us before they get into starting their small business. And the very first question I ask them is, are you ready to be in a sales role? Because people, for whatever reason, do not put two and two together that if you're starting a small business and it's just you, you are the person doing sales and nothing runs without business coming in. And even if you don't think you're a salesperson, you are now in the role of director of sales and janitor and (laughs) everything else. Yeah, And we've all been to those seminars where the the host says, all right, who here, there's a hundred people in the room and he go, he or she goes, who here's in sales? And like 18 people raise their hands and they go, no, everyone's in sales. Everybody. In everybody's selling and everybody's in quality. If you run a run a business, you got to be in sales and you got to be in quality. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> well, I like your, um, we've got what, 10 tips here. And not sure if we'll get through all of them because, of course, we want to get to know you a little bit as a person as well. Um, But before we dig into your tips, running your business as sales mechanic, what would you say is your top piece of advice for somebody who has been running their business and wants to get to that next level? Um, I would say, so you're going to love this. Because here it comes. Um, I would say don't forget about the process. Like really have an understanding of like what's the process that you go through to take a customer from. And, and really I, I focus on more the B2B type, type selling where you maybe have two, three, four touches of a customer before you actually get that order. Right. Mm-hmm. So 
really understand your process. Where where is a customer within that buying cycle? And, and how do you really nurture them in the way that's going to be best for them and best for you? So if you pay attention to that and understand where that is, then you're going to look at, okay, I've got a number of customers there. At what levels are they in that process? And how does what does that mean to me in terms of the value of my business, what I should expect within any given week, any given month, that type of thing? Um, and if you're paying attention to the process, then you're going to avoid so many problems as you grow, right? Because as you grow, you're going to ultimately have to bring on people, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have that process. Now, all of a sudden, you've already got a tool to onboard that person. You can scale your business in a way that is much less painful, much fewer growing pains, just simply because you're paying attention to how you're managing your business. And, and if you're really good at it, you start actually putting that stuff down on paper or in an electronic world, putting that down in your computer and, and getting that documented to a point where now as you're, as you're getting ready to take those next steps, it's there, it's laid out for you, and you can communicate it in a, in a, in a much simpler, much more effective way. And the number one step in any process improvement is that you have to have a process to mm-hmm. improve. And people have to be executing it consistently yep. because if you have 10 salespeople and they're all doing something different, you don't know what to fix. Yep. And you can't do any root cause analysis. I love Kaizen. You can't go back to, you know, figuring out what's broken if everyone's off doing their own thing. My, my favorite rule of thumb, anytime you look at, you know, you're evaluating your day, whether it's you as an individual or as an organization, think about what you're doing and ask one simple question. Is what I'm doing right now something that a customer is willing to pay for? Right? If a customer is willing to pay for it, then now all of a sudden it's a value-added problem. It's a, or it's a value-added part of the process, right? And if it's not something a customer is willing to pay for, then question it, right? Do we really need to do it, Right? And, and those are the types of things that ha- allow businesses to really think about, okay, what is it that we're doing? Is this the thing that brings value to customers? And if you use that one check, then, you know, it does really kind of give you that, that gut check to say, okay, what should I be really spending my time on? That's a great question. Regular weekly sales meetings. Ooh. <laughs> I know. Yeah, don't look it at me with sexy. that. You're, no, it don't. just gets sexy. <laughs> this, it, it, this is this is the no. top of the list, right? She she knows why I'm looking back at her and saying that. <laughs> she has another empire. She has two, a, a, an established empire, and a we're trying to grow another empire. So she knows the value of weekly yes. meetings on her other empire. <laughs> yes, I mean this is you know the regular weekly sales meetings is like the metronome, right? It's like you know we talked about music at the beginning, right? It is the metronome. It is the cadence. It is the rhythm of your business, right? If you get yourself into that rhythm, you know, you determine when you want to, I mentioned, you know, pivoting the chair, like when do you want to actually dedicate and devote that time to reviewing your, your performance, right? Have the time to, um, you know, build it into your schedule, uh, have a, a, even set it on your calendar, right? I'm going to sit down and I'm going to review what am I doing in sales, Right. And that means set time for planning, set time for review, set time for, uh, 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 you know, anything else that you might say, OK, I need to maybe um, change something, make it make a modification. Right. And and if you need help with something like that, you know, you always hear about accountability partners. Right. Um, if you've got you know, if you, if you have difficulty just doing that, find an accountability partner that will help you with that 
set that time aside and, and spend it on looking at sales. And so many people are, one, not apt to do it because they just can't consistently hold an appointment, even if it's with themselves, because the very first thing to get bumped are the things that are not urgent. And that's why putting it on the calendar and making it urgent is so vitally important, um, even if it's an appointment with yourself. Um, when we were setting up our strategies at Hunter Row for how to really maximize our sales agent's potential, one of the things was time blocking, you know, weekly coaching appointments and then also time blocking the time for our sales calls because it's the first thing to go when you get really busy you start servicing your clients the next thing you know you haven't made a sales call in a week and then it gets really easy to just stop doing it all together until all of a sudden you're like shit I have zero <laughs> clients and then you have to start that again and it's much more difficult to start something that you've stopped completely um, so I absolutely love that even if it is just a what you call sales team of one that you have that weekly accountability check-in yep. to make sure that you're on the right track and part of that is logging and tracking what you're doing mike and i are using pipe drive we are working through how we're going to log our clients in there and setting up um our different um, labels for everything and it's it's been really fun because now we can consistently track what we've been doing where before we were um, not practicing what we were preaching very well that is correct and yeah. I want to go back for a second on the point you were talking about with Trinity and Mike when you were working with bigger sales teams and things were going well and Trinity and I have talked about this on the podcast on a regular basis that you quit selling and you start man at servicing how do you tell of a successful sales team you can't quit selling? You know, when, when I when I look at how you um, how you divide your time, right? You know, you, you you put your time into your new customers, your existing customers, maybe your new products, your existing products. You know, I think it really comes down to how are you measuring yourself, right? What are the important things, and and it's it's the results, but it's also where are you spending your time. Right. So um, when you to your, exactly to your point, right, selling can be it, it can be construed a number of different ways. But, you know, a lot of ways it's about how are you generating demand for your company, for your products, for your services. Right. What are the things that you're doing to to be de business development oriented, um, especially, you know, in a in when you're a salesperson or a business of one, you know, when you first start off that's what you're doing, right? Almost in its, in your entireties, right? You're going out there and you're, you're networking and you're drumming up business. But as you start to get those clients and you're spending time, you know, now in the business and supporting those clients, you still have to make sure that you're setting that time aside for your future, spending, spending that time, carve off a percentage of your time and do that business development and really, really make sure that you're not losing that because you will, you, you will, um, you're basically mortgaging, mortgaging your future. Um, and, you know, especially like, if, I mean, think about, think about, you know, the, the environment that we're in today, right? A lot of my clients, a lot of clients come to me when they realize that they've got 80% of their business tied up in two customers, right? 
Now, how many of those businesses really got hurt when one of those two customers was really heavily impacted with COVID, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when you're in that situation, one of your customers, you know, sneezes, you know, you've got the flu, right? And so part of being a business development oriented is not being leveraged into so few customers, but really spreading yourself out and making sure that you're diversifying your customer base and minimizing your risk. So always cut, you know, cut time into your day, cut time into your week to continue developing your business. And there's a time lag. The work that you do right now, you're not necessarily going to see the impact or the results. Um, for Mike and I, I know that um, once we've spoken with someone two or three times, the likelihood of them becoming a paying client goes up exponentially. So if we're not consistently touching base with those people, we're going to lose out on those clients. It's not like you meet with someone and they instantly sign up because they don't know us. They don't know what we do. There's a, a process that has to happen. And when you stop that marketing wheel from turning, mm-hmm. you're now it one, it's like that lever so much heavier when you have to repick it up because you don't have the momentum of what you were doing before. And especially with my real estate career, I won't feel the impact of it right now, but I'll feel the impact three to six months from now. Yeah, no, a- absolutely. I mean, I can't tell you how many times in my career, I would have had somebody come to me because I, I may have talked to them a year or two ago, right? But it's it, it's it's all about timing, right? Opportunities are about timing. And so if somebody knows what you're doing, the timing for them might not be right at the time that you're, you're having your first conversation, but hopefully you're doing the right things in terms of nurturing those relationships, keeping yourself visible, so that as the timing is right, you're prepared, they're prepared, and, and, and the things come together. And that's 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 where it really benefits you. Yeah, it's like uh, one of our favorite clients that um, we haven't shared the story on air yet, but I was getting a spray tan prior to my wedding, (laughs) and it was a mobile spray tanner who comes to your house, sets up the booth, and you get in there, and yes, I was naked, and we picked up one of our coaching clients and it wasn't right then, but she asked what I did and we were chit-chatting, we were talking and it came out that I was a business coach and she was like, oh my gosh, we've been looking to scale our business and we were talking about it. And then I, we, you know, we'd kept in contact with each other and now a year and a half later, they've become a client of ours and, you know, really two points there. One, you have to keep in contact because it wasn't the right time. She expressed an interest, but they weren't quite ready to pull the trigger. And the fact that I picked up a client naked is just absolutely <laughs> hilarious because and, you yeah, never for, know where your yeah. clients are going to come from. <laughs> and for the record, I'm not willing to do that for a client. I don't think. And, and, not and yet, I, at least. I'm no longer going to use the term, how many touches do you have to have on a client before, <laughs> before you actually get the deal? <laughs> I got I to gotta find a new verb. Yeah. <laughs> and, and by the Mike, way, this, the creepy, yeah. the creepy sales coach over there. Yeah. And, and by the way, the spray tan looked phenomenal at the wedding. Thank oh, you, good. thank you very much. Yep. Yes, 
guess. You, you didn't do the Ross where like, you know, you got spray tan like four times on one side. Did you, do you remember that video from, or that ser- ser- oh, series from Friends? I don't. And I feel like I've seen all the Friends episodes, oh, but it's been a while. That's a good one. You have to go see that one. He, he, he got spray tan, I think, four times on the same side because <laughs> he didn't know how to, how to run the machine. It was very funny. Um, so speaking of off ramps, like I told you, Mike, we get on the interstate. We don't know where the off ramp is coming. So let's get back on the interstate here. Talking about pipelines, I want to jump forward to your number six point about f- the sales pipeline, about forecasting. Yes. How do you forecast during a pandemic that none of us have ever been in before? Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, as you know, forecasting is as much of an art as it is a science, right? So we skipped a few things, you know, kind of between here and there. The one thing I, I, I would say kind of coming back to what you guys mentioned is you're, you're deploying uh, pipe drive. Right, um, I'm a fan of pipe drive. We've we've used. I think it's a great tool for small businesses. But having some kind of a tool that allows you to track what you're doing, right? So, as as you have, we talked about process, right? So process means steps, um, and you know, th- there's a little bit of intelligence that goes into these types of things. But you know, the the value of a forecast. So. Obviously, the value of a forecast is very huge in a big business, right? When you're in a business that is held accountable by a PE firm, right, or held accountable by some kind of other stakeholders, you absolutely have to put a forecast out there because that's how they generate their cash flow and, you know, all other all other kinds of things, right? So that's absolutely paramount. So in my normal course of business and helping helping businesses to to build that it, it is a, a combination of you have to have a process the process says okay as a customer comes into your organization as a lead right that lead has a value to it right so let's say if you have a normal customer I'll, I'll, I'll just run some simple math so let's say a normal customer or an average customer is a thousand dollars value right and you have a some knowledge about how well you convert business and uh, a, a typical lead um, would look like you know maybe something that comes in from your website or some type of a networking event but over the course of time you've come to realize that you do a pretty good job at converting leads and you're maybe converting 20 percent of your leads well simple math is now every lead is worth 200 dollars to you right that's that's how that works so um, and, and as that lead progresses through your system, through your, through your process, that value grows because your probability of that sale grows. So as you, as you start to look at those things and you do the math, how many, how many customers do you have, how, many of, how far are they through the process, and you look at those probabilities, now all of a sudden you have an ability to put a number on your sales uh, outlook, right? Um, now, that's pretty complex, as you might imagine. Um, and there's a lot of time history that, that kind of goes through that. Um, but what that really delivers is it's an ability to look at where am I going with my business? And when I'm thinking about where I invest my time and where I invest mostly my resources, my money, um, you know, you look at, okay, is my business going up? Is it going down? And you start to say, okay, how should I be managing my expenses? How should I be managing my time? All of those things really should be aligned around your forecast um, because, you know, especially in, in small businesses, solopreneurs where, you know, cash is king, right? If you're starting to see where your business could start to be growing, you've got a lot of things, you know, way up in that pipeline um, at the top of the funnel. Um, you got to make sure that you're going to have the cash to support that, the cash to drive your business. And so it's it, a forecast is, is 
just that. It's the thing that kind of gives you a little bit of a crystal ball view to say, okay, what should I be doing to make sure that I can get in front of, you know, what's happening in my business and, and make sure that I can take care of customers and that I can keep my business sustainable. The just ultimate power of knowing when you're falling behind. I mean, with the systems that we had set up at Hunter Row, you know, I broke it down to, you know, every, what every phone call is worth, what every handwritten note is worth, what every, because one of the things that we work with our clients first is setting up their KPIs. So they know, okay, what are your leading indicators? What are your lagging indicators? And how do you balance between the two of those? Because there are a lot of people that start out really strong and then they're like, not sure where the business came from. They can't tell you where they're at, why they got those leads or what happened because they weren't tracking what happened on the front end to begin with. And it's hard to repeat something if you're not sure how it started to begin with. I mean, I love cooking. Um, I'll never be a great cook because I don't write down what I do. I just sort of throw things together and sometimes it's a smash hit and other times <laughs> I'm like, why doesn't this taste the same? Well, I didn't follow a recipe. I just was winging it and winging it in sales is the best way to um, wind up with people making sour faces. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're, you're hitting on some key points, right? It's just that, that element of having some discipline to know that um, a, a customer comes from a series of steps, right? And if you backtrack through that, and it does, it starts with, in many ways, it's you're picking up the phone and you're making a call, right? How many calls leads to, you know, how many people are going to convert to the very first step into the funnel? And then how many other times, you know, you've seen that probably, you know, tons of, of literature out there that says, oh, you got to talk to a customer eight times, right? You have to have five or six or 10 touches and only 15% of the people are actually willing to go to that yep. extent, right? And so really understanding in your own business, what is that like? How many times did you have to reach out to a customer? And what does that look like? Uh, for your own business. So now you can start to, to your point, hold yourself accountable to, I've got to do these calls, those leading indicators, right? Um, if I make 10 calls a day, what does that do to the outcome of my business a week from now, a month from now, right? Having some level of understanding there will really help you look kind of upstream and, and hold yourself accountable to, I know I have to have 10 business development meetings a week. And if I do 10 business development meetings a week, what does that mean in terms of, you know, my actual pipeline? Yeah. And, you know, there there's things that I feel like we're so good at helping our clients with. And just sitting here thinking we were talking about on our last episode, some of the things that we've been procrastinating on that we need to do better in our own business. Because even as business coaches, Mike and I have our own coaches because, you know, it's like the doctor that steps outside and is smoking a pack of cigarettes. Like you might know and be able to help others and cure others, but sometimes you're like your worst patient. Um, and I would say that one of the things that we've really been working on is tracking our numbers, knowing where those leads are coming from and honing in on the best way to continue to follow up and convert those. And in this business, it's different because my first business, I grew a hundred percent by referral and we're about 50% referral, 50% other lead sources for our coaching practice, which is 
you know, it's a different game when you're doing things that you're getting people from, you know, our website or online, um, or even clients that coming in from our podcast. So it's just a completely different system to create and track, but at least we know the value of it and we're working on it. Mm, that we are. Just that we all, are. And we tell our clients too, cause we're only about a year and a half together. So we're still new by business standards and we're learning and growing as they are. And so we've got a little bit more experience than some do because we've had either current or previous other businesses. And I like to think that a lot of times when you get asked this question all the time is what, what do you offer your clients? And you try to give all these great corporate philosophical things. And the other day I said, you know what? We speed up our clients' timeline because we can offer them some things that we've seen and we've gotten to know them. And I, I tell people a lot of times I'll, I'll describe it as my eyes just don't see that. And that's the only way I can explain it to you is it, it just doesn't work for me. Okay. So then we sit with a client and go, okay, what would, and then we'll, you know, we'll set it up that way. But it's those type of things to, again, to know where your strengths are and what you're good at. Yeah, I think your experience, Mike, in being in a business owner, seeing what life is like as you from a startup through, you know, all the way through maturity and, you know, how do you manage your, your own time? What are the things that have caused you to have green flags, yellow flags, red mm -hmm. flags, right? You're, you're going to have a lens for small business owners that is, is going to help them validate or invalidate maybe some of the things that they're doing. So you're going to help them navigate through some of those, mm -hmm. uh, uh, just the minefield of what you go through as you're getting, as you're going through, through managing a business. And I've noticed, especially through a lot of the networking groups we do that a lot of people that are in a small business or have a small business, it takes a while to get that business mindset. Mm -hmm. And that's where we feel like, and other coaches too. And one of the things that, uh, uh, who told us the other day that her third tip was to, Oh, uh, pinky. We had pinky. on last week. Hi pinky. Yep. And she said that her third tip to a, somebody getting started in small business was the first one was what's your passion. Um, and, and know your why. And then the last one was get a coach, get a mentor, get an accountability partner, somebody that's going to, and you need to trust it'll call BS on you yep. and you have to believe them and trust them. Yep. Well, and I've always had a coach Yep. from, from the very beginning of my career. I mean, I coached under one of the best business coaches um, who I learned just so much from, I mean, what, I mean, she had been doing it for like 30 years before I even, you know, started. Um, so there is a lot to be said for what you can learn from others. And I feel like all it did was help me avoid all these landmines and making the same mistakes that other people had made. And that's why, you know, like, yeah, I know what to do when I go to the gym. Am I going to do it as hard or as well as I would if I had my personal trainer standing there? Hell no. Yeah. I always work harder. That's why I love group fitness because the accountability, because if you're the one person that's slacking off everybody else around you is going to notice it yeah you know a good coach will see more potential in you than you see in yourself mm -hmm. oh yeah push you to get to that level well and yep. i love your point number nine about sales training 
I'm a big fan. You have on here, read, read, read. I know that not everyone's readers, <coughs> Mike Manning, but you can do audiobooks. You can, yes. you know, there's other ways to get that information other than just sitting down and reading a book, but there are so many different sales methodologies. And one of the clients on our intake form or questions on our intake form is, what sales methodologies have you studied? What have you used in the past? Um, I personally am a big fan of Sandler and consultative selling. I think that it's the best way to have a relationship-based model. Um, There's obviously a lot of other trains of thought and different sales processes, um, but whichever one you pick, you have to study it. And you have on here role-playing, which... As Not a what sales you think training, it means, yeah, uh huh. <laughs> well, and it's really Let's funny because you yeah. you can tell the difference between someone who is a good sales trainer or good sales coach because they do not mind role playing with people. Um, yep. Some of my top salespeople in the past made very terrible coaches um, or mentors because they just despised role playing with newbies it drove them crazy. Um, They just, they weren't cut out for it. And it does take a certain level of patience when you are listening to somebody flub up a script or (laughs) struggle through a sales presentation. Um, But I, I love it because again, it's something that you see progress, you see the value that you're providing because they're getting better, they're getting, um, you know, stronger in their presentation they're getting more confidence that confidence makes them want to go out and do even more and there's just so much to be said for the rate of return that you get from just doing even just a little bit of extra training and role playing yeah you've touched on so much just in, in that part trinity i mean first off I'm also a fan of Sandler training. You know, we've got some some folks here that uh, that facilitate Sandler training in, in the Raleigh area, and I really look at them as some of my best referral partners mm-hmm. because, um, you know, what I do in terms of you know that fractional VP of sales role, where I actually will join a uh, a, a business, um, you know, and I bring on new salespeople. Well, the Sandler Trails sales team they're, they're great for for supporting this. They've got a whole catalog of things. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, the reason I like role-playing is if you think about it, you use the word presentation, sales presentation. The more role-playing you do, the more you take that presentation and turn it into a conversation, and that's a comfort thing, right? So practice, 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 role-playing. Those are the types of things that allow you to really have that conversation, and that's how you relate to people. Right? And you should never practice on your clients. Could, it, could, yeah, absolutely. it just, it, it blows my mind. Um, you know, if I was going to a surgeon and I'm the very first person he's ever cut open, that is not good. <laughs> Come on, people. You're not gonna, you know, like yep. you should not be practicing. And yep. that is our craft. That's what, when you're in a sales role, yep. you're responsible for, for getting it right. And you shouldn't be practicing on the people that you want to turn and convert into clients. Yeah. And, you know, the, and the great thing is sell, great salespeople are always learning, right? So always have that learning mindset, um, you know, have the conversations, 
gauge what you're doing, gauge your own performance, have a, a trusted person you can bounce that stuff off of and learn from them, learn their reactions and, and, and adjust and, and move forward and try again. Yep. Test and try, test and try and, and reevaluate. And I always think back to Mike loves sports, I love sports, and I think that the business community, there's so much we can take from from watching what professional athletes do. Because, yes, are they learning new plays? Yeah, there's only so many plays that there are to learn, but what do they do 90% of practice? Basics, talk, you know, tackling, blocking, running. They're going in and they're doing their calisthenics and they're getting stronger and they're doing weight training and they're just redoing the basics over and over and over because those are the things that you tie together to become a champion and win a game. Yep, absolutely. Repetition, the basics, uh, take pick your sport, all of them. Like, it's, it's so important. So important. So um, that's my soapbox. Yeah, I love sports analogies for business as well. Uh, I've been involved in a lot of different sports, uh, even, even through gymnastics, and you look at all of these sports and – so critical that uh, you know you focus on your practice, get your practice right, and and it all translates to to a good business acumen as well. Exactly. Well, in our uh, last few minutes here together, um, I know that you have a wealth of knowledge that you could definitely provide to our listeners. So if somebody listening is like, "Man, um, I'm not quite ready to bring on a VP of sales," so a fractional VP would be just what I need to dip my toe in the water. How would they get a hold of you? Um, you know, th- probably that I have, I live on LinkedIn like most people, you know, today. So uh, reach out and find me through through LinkedIn. Um, I uh, the best thing for me is to just have an open conversation where I will just try to understand what it is the sat- what's the situation of your business. Um, do that diagnosis and find out if, if uh, what I'm right if what I what I offer is the right thing for your business to help you uh, get through whatever it is you're working on. And um, if I can't, then I am happy to recommend someone else who's, who's going to put you in the right spot. But, yeah, LinkedIn for me um, is, is the best place, and, and I'm looking forward to uh, helping anybody that has, has an interest or, or a need. Awesome. But on, so- on LinkedIn, he goes by Michael, just so people oh, type in the good. right word. Yep. And it matters because I typed in Mike once. He didn't come up. I'm like, I know that's his name. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, we're just, I'm, I guess, I guess I need to probably clarify that a little better. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, I do go by Michael uh, on LinkedIn. Awesome. I just want to make sure they find you. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Michael Engler, E-N-G-L-E-R-T. Esquire. <laughs> Should be at least on there. So. <laughs> But we we do appreciate this stuff because it is hard. Sales for anybody is hard. Sales for a solopreneur with the other 12 hats you're wearing is hard. And sales during COVID is hard. So just these little things. And and again, the, the sales calls are like blocking and tackling. You just have to do it every day. Yeah. And that's why I love what you guys do. You're, you guys are out there fighting for the solopreneurs. Um, and uh, anything I can do to help you guys with what you're doing is, is my pleasure. Cool. And if anybody else needs help with from us, they can go to wiredtochange.com uh, on the upper right-hand corner. Click on the events button. And we have three mastermind groups getting started in January, one on clients, one on sales and marketing, and one on Trinity's favorite systems and processes. That's, that's, she can't that's, wait. And she, that she's a dual threat. She can do systems 
and processes. That's how good she is. Oh, that yeah. sounds like time well Sometimes spent. at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Mike, we appreciate having you on today. Good luck with everything. And hopefully some folks will reach out to you and, and grow their sales game as well. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Trinity. It's been a pleasure. And my name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. We'll see you next time on our Wired to Change podcast.